Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Danny Reardon. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you again. And uh, likewise, I'm super excited to catch up with you, Danny. So before we kind of get into our conversation, I just want to inform all the listeners that Danny and I actually crossed uh, paths back in 2019. We were both living in Colorado. We met up in Boulder. We did an in-person podcast a conversation with uh, a previous podcast that I had. And uh, I learned so much from our conversation four years ago. And I know that life has taken you um, through a lot of different experiences over the last four years as myself. So uh, a part of this conversation, I just kind of want to catch up and spend a lot of time kind of like, what has uh, life been like for you over the last four years? But we are going to walk through our conversational starter questions, get get into kind of like the upbringing in the middle part. Um, but I'm excited to catch up, Danny, uh, in, specifically over the last four years of, of life for you. So before we kind of get into all of that, I would like to know, Danny, how do you start your day? Is there any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most days uh, and, and most mornings for that matter? Hmm. That's a good question. And I'm going to give you a super honest answer. <laughs> In a perfect world, I would be meditating every day after I get up and, you know, there's so many rules about coffee first, water first, do this first. But for me, if I can start my day with meditation, whether it be before or after my coffee, then it's a good day for me. Um, and lately, because I've been getting into music, I kind of, <laughs> um, have my coffee and I'm surfing Facebook marketplace for instruments that I can use for my sound meditation adventures. So that's kind of how I start my day. And I, and I actually really enjoy it because it puts me in my musical creative mindset. And then, you know, then I mosey over and go meditate. Um, and it depends, like my schedule is so different every day that, there's no specific time really, but, um, yeah, I notice when I meditate in the morning and the rest of my day goes really well. And I don't know if it's because mentally I did something, I accomplished something great for myself or because meditation just really works and helps me make good decisions and helps me stay really centered. So for me, that's my, that's my big thing. Yeah. Now I want to ask you, uh, a little bit more about the meditation aspect of things because uh, that's kind of a loose term nowadays, and it's a overused term, I think. And a lot of people use that term, and they don't even know what meditation is. And I personally, to be uh, candid with you and everybody listening, I'm just learning and stepping into meditation myself, and it's been a, a great asset in my in my life. I actually end my day with meditation and helps me with my sleep. But for you, Danny, Currently, what does meditation kind of entail or what does that practice look like for you? Because there's all kinds of different types of meditation. And again, that word is usually used. So when you um, choose meditation as a part of your morning routine or to start your day, what does that kind of look like, you know, current day? That's such a good question. And I love how you framed it. And if I teach people about meditation, I say, you probably do it so many times in your day that you don't even know. You don't have to be a yogi in a mountain sitting in an orange robe, like in the Himalayas. That's not, that's yes, that's one type. And you can sort of embody that in a corner of your house, but that doesn't necessarily constitute meditation. Um, 
So for me, I use an app called Insight Timer. It's a free meditation app. There's thousands of free guided meditations. Um, but I use the timer. I actually, I do my own sort of energy work. So when somebody's talking at me, it distracts me from what I like to do. But every once in a while, I'll do a guided meditation just, just so I can also like learn and kind of get ideas on how to guide others through meditations. Or if I'm just feeling like my mind is really racy, then I'll do a guided meditation. But for me, I do the timer. And so I'll do the timer for like anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes, depending on how long my legs will last. Cause I sit, you know, crisscross applesauce and sometimes one of my legs will fall asleep. Uh, so, but I, so I set the timer and then during that time, I center myself, I ground, I clear my energy because I'm around so many people all the time that I do certain things because especially when you're like empathic or you're really sensitive, different people's thought forms and things will sort of stick to you and you'll be like, why am I so anxious today? Why am I having this reoccurring thought? And so for me, that's why I clear myself and grounding my energy is so important because I operate... I'm hyper, you know, like my energy is very go, go, go. And I'm very busy. So if I don't like really consciously ground myself, then I notice that I am scattered a little bit more scattered through the day. And then, you know, after that ground center clear, I work on my chakras. So I go up and I, you know, spin them all. And like, I, this is energy work that my mentors taught me. So I'm probably just, I'm really just grazing over stuff that I've been practicing for years. Um, and then at the end I sit in what's called a violet flame. And at first when my mentor taught me this, I thought it was BS because I was like, okay, that sounds a little woo woo for me. Um, but then I was watching Gaia, which is, uh, like a conscious network. It's actually based in Colorado. And this lady talks, comes on and she's talking about the violet flame. And I was like, oh my goodness, maybe it's real, but I was just doing it. Just believing because I trusted my mentor. And I said, I just believe you. And so I sit in that and that's like very clearing. And I ask it to sort of burn away my impurities, burn away what's keeping me from source. Just help me, you know, release some of those habits and things like that. And then I visualize. So after I sort of do all of this energy work, it's actually like mental training sort of, then I sit and then I'm quiet. Um, and that's usually 20, 25 minutes later. And when I'm sitting in that space, sometimes I just wait and listen and for something to pop in. Or I think about if I'm hosting a ceremony or I'm doing something later in the day, I go through it in my head and I see what downloads want to come in and what insights are there. So it's sort of, and when I explain meditation to people, I think about prayer and I think about meditation. And so prayer for me is talking to God. So the first part of my meditation is sort of me talking and communicating with God or my own energy. And then the last part of my meditation is me listening and receiving. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the, the process. And sometimes I pull cards afterwards, like my Oracle card decks, and I'll say, what do I need to know for the day? Um, and because I'm, I'm into music now, I play my harmonium or I chant or I play my flute or I play something right afterwards because I'm in such a nice state that, um, you know, music takes me into that state as well. And for the last, I don't know, two or three months, I've kind of fallen off of my meditation practice. I'm getting back into it now. Like this last week or two has been good, but you know, I, feel, I was feeling nervous because I was like falling off the path and I'm putting that in quotes because we're never really off the path, but I wasn't sitting in my corner playing my insight timer. I wasn't doing the disciplines and I'm such a disciplined person that it felt like I was not being a good spirit student. 
And um, then I was watching myself throughout the day and I was playing my flute a lot. I have a native flute that I've been just like obsessed over. And so when I play that, I'm totally in a meditation. I don't even hear anything else that's going on. And I just go into flute land. And um, yeah, so I, and to your point about meditation is so many different things. For me, just because I wasn't sitting in the corner doesn't mean I wasn't meditating. I very much am meditating, especially when I'm with my instruments. Mm. So long answer, but that's what, yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, and there's a couple of things you mentioned there that I want to come back to uh, if if that's where our conversation is supposed to go, Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to ask you kind of the next question in terms of the conversational starter questions. If there's more than one, please feel free to share. But what's your favorite book? Um or what is a book that you like to gift often? And then um, I know that you have your own podcast, so I'm gonna we're gonna touch on that in a minute. But if you are consuming podcasts or have in the past, what is your go-to or favorite podcast? So favorite or most gifted book, and then favorite or go-to podcast. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, the first book that came to mind was the Bhagavad Gita, and that's. I don't know that I gift that to everybody because it's heavy Hindu spiritual text, but it's something that when I talk about it, it almost brings me to tears. Um, So there's something really incredibly special about that book for me. It's actually a story and it's like a part in a huge story. Um, And I manifested a teacher from India to teach me all about the Bhagavad Gita. And we've been in for about a year and a half now, and we're only on chapter 10 and there's 18 chapters. And she goes through verse by verse and she reads it in Sanskrit and then explains what it means. And it's basically Krishna, God, talking to Arjuna, this warrior on the battlefield. And Arjuna's faced with these different challenges about fighting against his uh, you know, village, his people, his family, his teachers, because he's on the opposite side of the fence, basically. But he didn't start the war. Some other really arrogant king did. So he's faced with all of these different things. And Krishna is basically telling him that we're more than just our bodies. We're more than just this fight. We're so much more than just the emotions that you're feeling right now. So fight because it's your dharma to fight. You've been training your whole life to be this warrior. So it's just this Like I could literally, and it's so special to me because of my teacher, because of the lessons and it's all about our ego and just things. So that book is really, really special to me. But if people out there are not into reading deep Hindu scriptures, um, I would say the four agreements, that is a book I come to time and time again. I've done a book club on it. We read it in my yoga studio. It's so easy to read. It's so easy to understand. And it's, um, uh, really powerful, simply powerful. So the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz and, um, for podcasts, <laughs> uh, really the only one I listen to is be here now with Ram Das. I've I'm probably on my third time through there's over 230 episodes. I was actually just listening to it this morning as I was getting ready. Uh, he is my man. That is my one and only everybody else really is second place. So if I have any free time and I'm cleaning, so I have, I clean houses sometimes and I do different things. So if I have any free time, I'm listening and hanging out with Ram Das. Um, yeah, I was listening to Aubrey Marcus's podcast for a little while. It was good. It was okay. But I, there's nothing for me like Ram Das. 
cool. So tell us about Talking Each Other Home podcast. That's your podcast. Um, Why did you start a podcast? And what is Talking Each Other Home all about? And what is your aim or focus for this specific podcast and and why you started it, Dan? Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking. I appreciate you, um, you know, commenting on my podcast. So I started a podcast a couple of years ago when I was still living in Colorado. I think it was called The Light Side, Um, but it's spelled P-S-Y-D-E because I'm really into psychedelics and plant medicine. So that's like a huge part of my spiritual endeavors. Um, and then, you know, that kind of like, I, I moved, I felt like there was a whole different energy starting to come out of me, but I really like to talk to people. Like I love communicating and I love getting curious about people. And I think we share that, that sort of passion and I love helping. So the other side of the conversation is, well, hopefully things that come out of this conversation is medicine for people. Um, and so talking each other home is again, a riff off of Ram Dass. His quote is, we're all just walking each other home. So we're here doing on this earth, right? We're walking each other home to ourselves, to God, to, you know, death, the other side, whatever it might be, but really home to the heart, I think. And so for me, talking each other home is a spinoff of that. And that's what we do when we talk. We talk about spiritual things, that personal development, spirit, um, and, you know, I had a big change of, uh, I guess intention maybe when I started to interview people that were medicine for me first, because that's where the most curiosity comes from is when I can interview people who are like doing something I would like to be doing or who have studied something I would like to be studying versus thinking I'm going to interview people because I think this is what the people need to hear. For me, it was falling flat there. So I started to interview people who I was like really inspired by um, are really curious about. And so that's kind of the gist of talking each other home. And I started it because I just think I can do it. You know, it's like, I, I love to talk to people. I love to meet people. It's like part of the reason why I think I'm on this earth is to be friends with as many people that I can be friends with and to connect with people. And I have got such amazing people in my circle that the universe has gifted me. And I just really feel like I, it's a duty to share it. I mean, yeah, sure. I could keep it to myself and kind of hermit and study away and do my things, but I like to talk. I like to share and that's, um, yeah. And I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus from it right now. I was going to launch a course called spirit school and, uh, it didn't really go as planned. I think part of me actually unmanifested it because I was exhausted from last year and holding an online course space is a big energy. There's emails, there's 15 people to be in charge of or more. There's guest speakers. It's like a whole thing. And, um, so when that actually didn't work, I was like, let me just take a break from anything on the computer. Mm. And so I've been off for a couple months now, but I kind of feel myself coming out of my little shell and um, ready to come back to the light. And so I think, you know, season two, talking to each other home is around the corner for me. And I would love to have you come on. So just going to put that right there whenever it's time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's cool. You know, I, uh, I, I never, you know, so it'll be five years this July that um, I've been podcasting and it, it started back out in Colorado. Uh, and we're not going to get into my podcasting story because this isn't about me right now. But what I do want to say, Danny, is, you know, uh, I, I never started podcasting to get on podcasts. And 
I really don't necessarily like, uh, you know, being on podcasts for just for different uh, things in my own head. But I tell myself because I, 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 I say this to other people. I and this is the, the, the main reason why I podcast is because we all have a story. And I believe in the power of each human being's story. Uh, when we share our story, like you kind of mentioned just a couple minutes ago, when we share our stories, somebody might be listening and they're going through exactly what you've been through or exactly what you're going through right now, or in some way or, or somehow your story is going to positively impact another human being. So I tell myself, Quentin, if somebody invites you, whether it's on a podcast or at a church or, or whatever, if somebody invites you to share your story, even though I don't necessarily like being in that environment, you know, I, 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 I'm going to do that because that's what I tell other people to do. If somebody gives you an opportunity and a platform to share your story, whether it's a podcast at a church, you know, at, at some sort of a gathering or whatever, don't be afraid to share your story. And it's not about how cool your story is or how many experiences you have, because we all have a different story. We all have different experiences. And when we audibly share our stories with the world, somebody might listen and be positively impacted. And I feel like that's something that you and I with our podcast have in common. That's a passion of ours is yes, you and I as hosts are gleaning and gaining and learning, but it's really to serve other people and to allow people that platform to share their story so that others can listen and be positively impacted. Is that, is that fair to say, Danny, that you kind of have that uh, passion as well? Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. And I think there's so much power in sharing stories. And actually the most, some of my podcasts are solo casts because I do, you know, I go on spiritual pilgrimages. I do ayahuasca. I do all these different things. And like, I can't not share it. And so when I come or, or why I quit bodybuilding, that was that pot. I got the best response ever. And it wasn't because of the guests I had on. In fact, people, some people say, I actually want you to talk more on your own podcast because yes, your guests are great, but you've lived, you've done so many things and you're a great storyteller and I'm so vulnerable. Like I have nothing to hide at all. So, um, the best responses I've gotten on my own podcast have been when I tell my story. Yeah. So I a thousand percent am with you on that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so much power in, uh, in our stories. So, um, this one, uh, so the next question is what life lesson, Danny, have you been taught in the last year? And I like to uh, just kind of say, uh, you know, if, 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 if we're individuals that are always thirsting and hungering to learn, um, we're, we're probably learning things constantly on, on the, on the, on the daily, but within recent times, what do you feel like has been a, a huge life lesson that you've learned or been taught? Oof. There's so many. You know, like, because no. <laughs> all day I'm, I'm picking myself apart yeah. in a good way, you know, and I'm like, what is this here for? Um, the first thing that came to mind though, was surrender. Mm. And I'm such a control freak that that is such a hard lesson for me. Like I was talking about spirit school, not working. I was devastated. Mm. Um, because I really wanted it to work. I put everything, the, the reason why I started uh, building online courses was so that I could launch 
a spiritual course that showed everybody that all rivers lead to the same ocean. There may be different ways that we can talk about getting there, but all of this goes to source. And you may resonate with Jesus. You may resonate with the Bhagavad Gita. You may resonate with whatever. So when that, when I only got a couple signups and it wasn't enough, that was really sad for me. And I tried to force it for a little bit longer and finally just surrendered. And also into the music stuff too. So that happened in November. Um, and that's very new for me. I never thought I was musical in my life, but I left a, a plant medicine ceremony with a flute and I have been literally obsessed, obsessed. It's all I think about I uh, ever since. And um, it's almost like, yeah, like surrendering into following my heart's desire because now I'm like doing sound healing at nursing homes. It's like adorable. And I, spirit school's not launching. And I ended up, I'm waitressing right now. And I, I never thought I would be waitressing again. You know, that just never crossed my mind. I'm like, no, no, I have my own business online. Like, not that I'm too good for waitressing, but I did that in college. And I just thought that, that, that I was kind of done with that, you know, thing. And spirit school didn't work. And I was just teaching yoga and 40 bucks a class a couple of times a week isn't paying anything, paying for really my gas. So like I teach yoga because I love it, not for any other reason. Um, so I surrendered into, I need to make, I need cash in my hand. Now I have a huge student loan I need to pay for. And a uh, couple of my girls at the yoga studio work at the restaurant. So I surrendered. I went in nervous as all get out. And, uh, not even, I, I went in going, you're going to try this for a week. And if you hate it, figure it out, figure something else out. And I love it. I, my feet hurt right now. Cause I worked a couple of days in a row, like long eight hour shifts running around, but I'm getting more fit. Cause I like probably have a, a billion steps a day. Um, I love everybody I work with. I love, you know, all the different people and energies and it's kind of a nicer restaurant. So the demographic of people who come in are very nice. The food is nice. People take pride in what they do. And I absolutely love it. And I made pretty good money this last week. So surrendering again, like another lesson to me in surrendering into just like, just go for it. Number one and surrender to whatever God, the universe is pushing you towards because there's a reason and so trust, yeah, like trust and surrender has been huge because the stuff I thought was going to work didn't and the things I never thought I'd be doing are happening. Mm. <sighs> okay. So I have like, I'm a, I, I just, I just like grab random pieces of paper and I, I write words on them and uh, I'm sitting in the back of uh, my apartment, which is in the back of the gym that I, that I oversee own. Uh, and I have a piece of paper in red uh, uh, lettering that says surrender. So that's a word that has uh, come to me within the last month. Okay. Now for you, uh, so so I'm 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 I'm, I'm resonating, uh, you know, very strongly with what you're saying right here, Danny. Now I want to see if 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 this is the case. So you you have this 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 word surrender. Uh, also for me, it's like, uh, another, uh, uh, phrase is, is, is let go. So between surrender and let go, that's kind of where I'm at in my life right now. Okay. For, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned earlier, um, uh, ego. And so we're going to get into your backstory more here in a little bit, but you know, you've been a, a champion bodybuilder, 
you've done all these amazing things and 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 uh you know like you said you have all these amazing connections and all this stuff right you're 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 a go-getter you make things happen you've had all these experiences is when when you were when 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 you were asked to uh you know go back and be a waitress which to a lot of people like you kind of mentioned like no I did that in college I'm 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 past that I think a lot of times in life we think we're past things we're above things because of whatever reasons, right? Mm -hmm. When you were asked to go back and, and waitress by, by yourself or whoever, um, and, and was that, was that the surrender and the letting go of what you think you wanted to do and, and, and letting go of your ego and, and humbling yourself and walking in that service? Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. Humbling. I feel like I humble myself. So, or I get humbled so much. Like I said, I also clean. So I clean my stepmom's real estate office and I clean a beach house and I clean her house. And a lot of people would think, oh, cleaning, like I'm literally a maid and then I'm serving to, I'm waitressing. Um, and I love them both. And for me, when I clean, um, like on the outside, it seems like, uh, you know, people like are like, oh, I would never clean toilets. Like they have this sort of feeling. But when I cleaned in Colorado for my yoga studio, it was the best time in my life. It was, I could listen to my, I could listen to Ram Dass. I still listen to Ram Dass when I clean and it's quiet. There's nobody around me. I'm listening to my teachers. I'm making something beautiful. I bring fresh flowers. Like it's really something I take pride in. And then with waitressing, totally humbled myself, ended up loving it. And then I'm like, how could I make this? How can I make this a spiritual, um, exercise for myself? And you know, I look at it like, so I'm God, right? Like we're all God. We're, I'm a piece of God serving the people at the table, God, serving them, God. So in, in Hindus, they say Brahmin. I'm Brahmin serving Brahmin, Brahmin. It's all sacred. No matter what we do, it's sacred. And I started to tap into that center and get out of the mind, get out of the, oh, I thought I was past this. Oh, I thought it was blah, blah, blah. And started to tap into a deeper place of what this actually really is. And when I walk up to tables in that presence, I watch people soften. Like as, as soon as they make eye contact with me, something happens and their whole energy, just their shoulders drop. They soften. They want to talk to me for a minute versus like, yeah, let me get a, let me get a glass of water. I walk up with a smile and I know that they're God and I'm about to serve them amazing food. And, uh, it, it's, it, cha it changes and, and people have commented on my energy, you know, and for me, that's the best compliment. Like I'm so sick of hearing about my biceps. Um, so when people say, oh, you have such a good vibe or you have such amazing energy, I know it's because I'm greeting them like I'm greeting God. Hmm. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about ego. Like what's your take on ego, your perspective on ego? What, what is it? Um, because that's something that I'm, I'm fascinated uh, with currently in my life. Yeah. Ego is so interesting. Good question. Um, you know, at first I used to think that the ego needs to be dissolved. Mm -hmm. We need to kill the ego. It needs to literally be gone. Um, and now as, as I see it and it may change in the future, I think the ego is something that is so part of us that the reason that we're on this earth in a body is because we have an ego. Uh, Wayne Dyer calls it earth guide only EGO or edging God out. So there's different ways you can look at it. 
the way I see it is we have an ego. We need an ego. We are an ego. Danny as a person is an ego. Danny as a spirit is the universe. So like for me, there's two, there's two of us happening all the time. So on one level, you know, on the 3d level, we're Danny and we're Quentin on the other level, we are one. Uh, and so our ego, I think is something to be tamed and understood and integrated, not dissolved. It's something that needs to be in the back seat, not in the driver's seat running the show. When it runs the show is when you have people that are very arrogant, um, disrespectful, uh, very insecure. They're living in this very earthly plane that they think that this is all that they are and this is all that they have. So I think that the ego is necessary. Sometimes it's used to keep us safe. Sometimes we can use our ego as bait for our soul's mission. So I started to really understand that is like, it's okay to have a nice appearance. Like some people think, oh, that's so egoic. But no, if you're using it to gain the attention of other egos so that you can insert a soul lesson, I think it's perfect. But it's your servant, not your master. Okay, cool. Uh, may I ask, uh, uh, I'm curious about why the, the spirit school didn't come to fruition. Like what, why, why didn't it uh, happen? Uh, I, I would like to know if you don't mind. Definitely. Um, okay. So, oh my God, it's so awesome too. And, and it's going to happen. I was, I, I was like, so upset. Um, okay. How do I even start? So spirit school originally started as a seven month program. And I know, and I know that's too long now, but for me, I'm so intense and I'm like, all or nothing, like let's study spirit. Like this is, we are spirit. You know, it's like, this is what we do. So I'm so like all or nothing. I'm in spirit school constantly. So I'm like, why isn't everybody else in spirit? Don't we want to be in this all year round? Um, so at first it started where I had guest speakers come on and like amazing guest speakers, um, PhDs in Hindi, uh, people from India, um, plant medicine shamans, a couple different ones. So like people who are really for me, high level, who I looked up to, who I, who are my mentors or even beyond my mentors. Um, and I think that the reason why it didn't work was because I sort of unmanifested it. I think my timing was wrong, was, was off because last year I launched a mastermind course that was five years, five months long. And I had like 20 people in it. And then right after that, I did my very first retreat in Colorado, which had like 12 people in it. Following that I did conscious kids. And then, and I was traveling almost every single month. I was on a plane. I married my cousin and well, I officiated a wedding for my cousin, not married my actual cousin. I officiated a wedding for my cousin. And I also officiated another wedding and went to Arizona and that I was, I did so much last year. I didn't, I would, like I said, I was on a plane every single month and launching these huge courses. And courses for me, it's we're on a call every single week. I have guest speakers I'm orchestrating. I'm in charge of 20 people. I'm writing emails twice a week. It is like such a big undertaking. Um, and then January came around and we, we drove to Florida for a month in November, got back in December. And then January came around. And for me, I was like, okay, time to launch another course. Like that's what I did last year. The mastermind launched in January. Like this is how we do things. And so I tried to launch spirit school in February without giving myself a proper break at all. Like I, and I'm so go, go, go that I don't even, I'm like a break. We don't need that. Like I sleep, like we're good. Like, like let's just keep progressing. Let's keep growing and keep getting out there. 
And I think in the back of my head, as I was launching, I was exhausted from posting. I didn't, I didn't want to go online and talk and post and write about anything. And to do a, a seven month course seemed really daunting, even though I really wanted to do it with every, every cell of my being, there was something in me that was saying, you need to go through a whole death process, which I'll talk about in a second before you jump into spirit school. Um, so I think that although mentally it felt like the right timing to launch it, because that's what I did the year before, I think my energy was saying, you need to rest and integrate everything you did last year. And you need to kill off parts of your ego and your identity that are not conducive for spirit school. So to add on to that, I also think spirit didn't spirit school didn't work because my mentor tells me, Claire, she says, divinity protects itself. And I think that I needed to go through some more lessons, some more ego death before I could launch a course that was all fully spirit. Um, so over the last couple months, I've been really dealing with failing, feeling defeated, you know, so that's my ego, my insecurity coming up, even in the yoga studio, feeling like, um, like taking control of certain things like being, and I'm not, I don't own it, but that was coming up in me. I was feeling like I had a lot of control. I feeling like I had a lot of pull. People were asking me questions and I really had to take a step back and go, whoa, like this isn't your studio. You just teach here, my friend. So that came up feeling excluded from a retreat. I really wanted to be involved in and wasn't asked. Um, so all of these really low negative energies were coming up. And that's why I feel like I've been in sort of a hermit kind of in this shell, not really wanting to talk a lot on social media, just going th through it and watching myself in these parts of myself that I really don't love, that I'm really not proud of, that I thought were gone. And like we said, going back to restaurant and and humbling my ego again. And really that's been that, like just beating, just shoving that down. Because when I, when you launch a full spiritual school, I'm the person orchestrating and so it matters that I'm sacred at my center. It matters because everything that builds off of me is going to impact the teachers and the students that join me for this. So I need to make sure my habits are in check. My attachments are in check. My ego is in check. Like all of these things need to be checked. And I'm still in the process of checking them. Like I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but now I see that I'm not just launching conscious champion anymore, which was bodybuilding me. So that energy is fine. I'm, I'm pretty past that energy now, but to launch a full spiritual school, I need to be in a certain space. So, so really, I think that I unmanifested it because I was exhausted. And I think the universe is saying yes, but not yet, my friend. Love it. All right. Last question uh, for the conversational starters, Danny. Do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? All of them. <laughs> Maybe a thousand. <laughs> a thousand? Yeah, I was like in one of each. Okay, so quote. Well, I the one I got tattooed on the back of my calf recently was, we're all just walking each other home, hmm. which is that one I talked about earlier with Ram Dass. Uh, and I do have another mantra that I got tattooed 
in the same session, actually, around my arm. That's in Sanskrit. And it says in Sanskrit, it's uh, Loka Samasta Suki no Bhavantu. And in English, that means the long version means may all beings be happy and free. And may the thoughts, words and actions of my life contribute to the happiness and freedom for all. And uh, word. I mean, right now, trust is the word I'm leaning on because mm -hmm. for me, trust means trust myself, trust God, trust the path and surrender. It like kind of goes with that. Cool. Love it. Okay. We're going to, we're going to take a, a deep dive into uh, Danny Reardon's backstory. So uh, let's start kind of uh, in the beginning, Danny. Where did you grow up? What was life like for you when you were a young person? Walk us kind of through that experience or those experiences up to about high school and then stop at high school because I've got some questions that kind of lead us from that point. Okay. So growing up, I was born here where I live now in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Um, and I my parents divorced when I was about two. So I don't really remember them being together. Um, and I have no, you know, everything I'm going to say, I have no ill feelings about. And then we moved to Florida when I was probably seven or so. And my dad stayed here up North and on the Cape. So I would come here for the summers and for Christmases and spend school up there with mom and kind of bounce back and forth. Um, and my mom hates when I talk about this on podcast, but it's the truth. Um, she drank when I was younger quite a bit and um, went through periods of sobriety. And I kind of grew up in the AA culture, which now I'm like so thankful for. And I, I, it makes me sad that my mom doesn't like when I talk about this because I know that she feels guilty for, you know, drinking and being, you know, an alcoholic and things like that. But it brought her and my sister and myself so close. And it literally made me who I am today. So I am really grateful for it. Um, and I, like I said, I grew up in the AA culture. So I was, personal development has been around me. Like I've heard about the steps my whole life, making amends with people and just like the moral things. So so, so, so there's that. And yeah, I guess that was it. Like up to, up until high school, I always did sports and cheerleading and uh, weightlifting. I was the captain of the weightlifting team, captain of the cheerleading team, you know, everything I do, I'm either all, all in or all out. Right, right. Yeah. So, so I guess that's, that, that, and bodybuilding kind of came into the scene around high school as well, because, uh, that's where I started that they hosted a Mr. And Miss Wesley chapel contest. And I entered, cause I was kind of jacked. I did weightlifting and cheerleading. So I kind of was athletic and ended up winning that the last two years, like the overall, and then kind of like, you know, went went from there, but yeah, my upbringing was, was really good. It was perfect. It was hard. It definitely was not silver spoon and it, but I had, Something I can say that I reflect on so much is I had so much love around me uh, from my grandparents to my mom and my dad and my aunts and my uncles. Like there was so much love, even though it felt it looked maybe a little dysfunctional, like with the custody battles and all that stuff. It was just because we were so loved. And now that I sometimes when I sit actually with mushrooms, I journey um, a lot with them. 
And I had a vision about all the women in my life, my stepmom, my mom, my aunts, my grandma, all sitting around me, raising me into the woman I am today. And there's men too, right? There's like these, these strong pillars that, that hold the space, they hold the energy, but around that is the feminine. And, um, recently in my life, I've been really tapping into how important the feminine has been in my upbringing. Yeah. What was, uh, the academic side of things for you, like Danny, like in terms of school and, and, and stuff like that? Oh, school was, um, school was always kind of easy for me. It was more social than it was anything, but I always had pretty much straight A's. The only subject I did not do well in was math. Mm. I, I remember crying my senior year. I was in advanced topics and they were doing like cosine and tangent. And I was looking at these waves on the, on the whiteboard. And I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what you're saying. I don't get this at all. I, you know, I was more of a jock. I really liked science because there was anatomy and physiology. So that was where I really excelled. English was okay. I was never really a great reader. I think it's because my attention span, you know, even now I'm not a great reader. I'll listen to audiobooks when I'm cleaning because that's just how I take in information. Um, but I always, I always pretty much got A's. I was on the honor roll. Uh, school was easy for me and I like to study. I like to learn. And even when I got into college, like anatomy, I remember studying for anatomy, like nine hours for us, for the nervous system test. And I was just like, and I aced it, you know, and I was, I loved it. So for academically science was my favorite. Um, and then of course, PE was effort. That was like recess for me. I think they even made up a weightlifting class because I took all of them and they were like, let's just give her credit. <laughs> That's cool. Um, okay. Before we transition to bodybuilding and post high school talk, um, what, what was the, what was the most difficult part of your childhood for you personally? Um, maybe in the moment or when you look back, you feel like, man, that was that, that, that hurt me or that, that was a, a wound that I gained from my childhood. Mm. There was kind of a lot because I told you about the whole thing with, but it wasn't anything necessarily with my mom, like when she would be drinking or something. The one that the first thing that came to mind that hurt the most was when we had to go live with my dad for a year. I was in fifth grade. They took us away from my mom. I went to go live with my dad up north, which was, you know, had its perks. It was like, oh, cool. We're with that. And we were in fifth grade. We didn't know anything. We were, but when it was time to maybe go back with mom or the courts were doing whatever they were doing, they pulled us into this room, my sister and I, and they asked us, who do you want to live with? Mm. And that still makes my stomach drop because, you know, my dad was stability my dad was, you know, my dad and my stepmom, they had a beautiful house. They were stability, basically very normal family, like how you would think about it. But my mom was my mom. I grew up with her my whole life. Like it was, she was the one I went to school with. She was the one. Um, and I knew that she, she was always a wonderful mother. Like, even though she drank, there was, we never went without, we always had food. We always did what we needed to do. Sometimes it was hard to come home and see her, you know, drinking or passed out or something like that. But um, that was the hardest question. And I don't know what that messed up in my energy, like me being a people pleaser. And it's hard for me to say no to people, but that was the hardest thing because you're, you're being asked by people who are not living your life, who are in the court system and who don't understand what they're asking a fifth grader 
who do you want to live with? And either, no matter what I say, I hurt somebody. Oh, it even makes me choke up thinking about it. And I think my sister might've been too young to remember the gravity of that, but yeah, I'll never forget that. Who do you want to live with? And it was recorded. They had a recorder in front of me and I don't think I answered. I hope I didn't answer. I don't think I did, but I just remember feeling like, really? I have to answer this and they're, they're both going to know what I say. Yeah. Um, one, one final question that just kind of, uh, popped up in my mind, uh, when you're chatting about that or sharing that, um, sometimes the hardest people to reach quote unquote are those that we're closest to in terms of maybe significant others or family members. Um, what, what, what is your specifically your mom? What does she kind of think about, uh, the, the life, uh, path that you've taken post bodybuilding and have you guys been able to or does she allow you to sit down with, with her and, and have conversations about some of the past things or are those topics that, that you guys just, uh, you know, or maybe she just would rather not discuss with you. Um, she is, I want to, I'm going to cry saying this. She is like my biggest fan. She like listens to all my podcasts. She comes to my yoga classes. And she'll talk to me about anything. Um, she's, she's actually working with one of my mentors right now because she wants to work through some of the um, like the things that she holds on to the guilt. Cause she knows I have no guilt or like, no, I'm grateful for how we grew up, but I understand where she comes from with feeling like, you know, certain things. Um, but she is doing so much work on herself. I'm so proud of her and she's so honest and so vulnerable and she loves the path I've taken. Um, I know that she, she wants to come do ayahuasca with me. She's done plant medicine with me. She's so open and she's so proud of me. She probably understands me more than anybody does. Um, and she knows that I've been a little bit different. Like she knows that I'm not a nine to fiver. She knows that she's like, you just don't, that's just not you. She's like, you're going to be some kind of shaman one day. And I'm like, thank you for seeing me. <laughs> so she's, uh, wow. That just, cause you know, when I talk about my upbringing, it there's, that's one side of it, but she's always been my number one fan above my husband, above anybody else in my family. She's, she's like, Oh, I just listened to your podcast with so-and-so. I'm like, you did what, where did you even find that? Or she's like, Danny, I'm going on a walk, send me your podcast. Cause, and you don't think that people listen, but then when it's like your mom and she has listened to probably every single one. And if she didn't listen to it, it's cause she didn't know how to find it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm so I'm so happy I got to talk about that, her in that way. Yeah. And and uh, it's funny because my mom listens to all the podcasts too. And they'll tell me, oh, that person was, that that one was great. And uh, they seem like a really cool person, right? I turned this episode off. I, I didn't really like that person. I'm like, that's, that's cool, mom. That's cool. But it's, it, it is uh, uh, very powerful to have, you know, the support of your parents, um, and, uh, you know, have that strong family around you. So I appreciate you, um, touching on that, Danny. Um, 
So you started lifting weights. Was it in high school or was it uh, before high school, Danny? It was in high school. Yeah. Cause I, I just like found uh weightlifting, the, the, the weightlifting coach saw me cheerleading or something, or I was in his PE class and he's like, Hey, you're five feet tall. You're pretty strong. You're fast. You're athletic. He's like, why don't you come lift with us one day? He's like, I have a weightlifting team. So we went in there and we were lifting with the football players. And I remember like, you know, benching for the first time. And it was like, put the bar up like super easy and then like put more weight on. And I was like, oh my God, this is cool. I'm actually really good at this. So coach Cass is another one that I have to thank for just the trajectory of who I became because he showed me how to bench and squat and clean and jerk. And he was, you know, judging our competitions and, um, and he was the same coach that also hosted the Mr. And Miss Wesley chapel contest and, um, which was the bodybuilding show for my high school. And so he really opened up my every, everything like for me with weightlifting. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, when you were in high school, Danny, what were you kind of like thinking about in terms of the direction that you wanted to go with your life, uh, like career wise, job wise, like what were some of those thoughts? Um, then obviously you started lifting weights. You started competing. I think before you even graduated, you said from high school, once you graduated high school, how did life kind of unfold? Because, um, you know, from following you for a very long time through social media, YouTube and your bodybuilding days, I think things kind of exploded pretty quickly. So would you kind of walk us through that timeline, please, Danny? Yeah. And so, okay. So when I was in high school, I was a big time cheerleader. That was bigger for me than bodybuilding or weightlifting was. I mean, I was really good at bodybuilding and weightlifting, but for me, I was on, you know, cheerleading is where I spent my after school time. My all, I was on all-star teams. I was even on an adult team when I was a senior. So by the time I graduated high school, I was on three different cheerleading teams and pretty much the captain of like two of them. Cause I was like a senior and just, you know, and I got awarded best cheerleader in Pasco County. So quick story about that. And this was my first lesson in manifesting. I remember being a junior and watching the cheerleading competition for like all the local high schools. Um, and all the seniors got a, all the captain seniors got a ribbon on their shoe. And then the judges judged all the girls with ribbons to be awarded the best cheerleader in our county. And I remember being a junior going in my head. I remember exactly where I was sitting in our gymnasium going, I want that. And so for me, I see the best and I'm like, that's it. Like if I'm in cheerleading, I want to be the best. Or if I'm in bodybuilding, I want to be the best. And I don't know what that is. Maybe that's some childhood thing. Or maybe I just like to achieve. I don't know. A year later, we're at the competition. I have a ribbon on my shoe. I've been nominated. And then I get awarded best cheerleader in Pasco County. And I still have the ribbon because that was the first time in my life I remember going, I want that. I believe I can have it. And I got it. And that medal was a symbol for me all through my bodybuilding career. Cause it was like, you remember where you were seeing this, you believe that you could do it. You had the skill, you had the energy, and then you received it. So that was a big thing for me. And so when I graduated high school, to come back to your question, I thought I was going to go to cool to, to UC university of central Florida to cheer. I'm like, I'm going to be a college cheerleader. That's what I'm here for. Like I have all the skills. I was partner stunting. And I applied to the college and I did not get into UCF. Um, I didn't have a super great score on my ACT. I had straight A's, a great like 3.8 grade point average, but I didn't have a great score on the ACT. 
and they didn't get into the school. All my friends got into the school, but I went to tryouts anyway for cheerleading. Cause I'm like, well, maybe if I'm good enough, the, the, the coach will somehow work magic and get me in. And she's like, okay, well you're on the team if you get into the school. And I'm like, is there anything you could do to like get me in? And she's like, I don't have that jurisdiction. So I was so sad. Um, and my mom came to Orlando. We were living in Tampa at the time and we, and we went to Disney or Universal Studios or something to ease my, the blow of me not becoming a collegiate cheerleader. <laughs> so again, mom comes in for the, to save and we had a great fun time. And, um, but that was the beginning of cheerleading falling away from me and bodybuilding coming to the surface. So I went to a community college locally because I still wanted to go with my friends to to Orlando. I was ready to move out. It was time. I was 17, you know, thought I just was like so adult. I'm like, I'm so ready for this. And uh, so I went, I went to the community college and one of my electives was nutrition. I took a nutrition class and I also took a weightlifting class. And then I, you know, one of my core classes was anatomy. And then I took human biology and I was like, oh man, the, like the human body is just the most fascinating thing in the world. And I'm like, I thought I was just going to do cheerleading and run around with pom-poms and tumble. But at the time I was still coaching cheerleading. So I was coaching little ones and teaching them how to tumble. Um, and I was still at a cheerleading gym on the adult team, but my body was like, injured, tired of tumbling. It was like, I could feel the, the me starting the fire starting to go out for cheerleading. And at the same time is when the anatomy stuff happened. And I started working at planet fitness and I started getting into, and then I was 19 all of a sudden. So, you know, I was like eight, 17 when I moved. And then I did my very first adult show at 19 in the NPC was figure. Um, and that was it. It, that was it from there. Bodybuilding took over. And then I went to school. Then I ended up going to UCF, got a bachelor's in exercise physiology, and then got a master's in exercise science or exercise physiology. So I was like, you know, ended up going to UCF anyway, but for something totally different. So good thing I didn't get into the college because that kicked off my whole everything else. Okay. So, um, I don't want to spend a whole, I don't want to spend, uh, you know, the rest of our conversation talking bodybuilding because I know on your podcast, you went really in depth with, with that, uh, specific part of your story. And, and on our previous podcast, four years ago, we, we spent a lot of time with that, but, um, can you kind of just give us the synopsis just so anybody that's listening, if they don't know who Danny Reardon is, obviously the bodybuilding side of Danny was a huge part of, of who you were in the past and, and all of that. So can you got, kind of give us a, a synopsis? Because if my recollection uh, serves me uh, correctly, you you got as high as second at the uh, Miss Olympia physique competition um, at some point. So can you just kind of give us some of the highlights of your bodybuilding career, Danny, please? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The whole thing it was a highlight. It actually, it was, it was so extreme, right? It was like highs and lows. It was like on the Olympia stage at one point and then arrested and in jail. So it was very, for me, body, the whole 10 years of bodybuilding was either you're super dialed in, you're super shredded, or you're off eating Oreos in a Wawa somewhere, or it was you're a second place in the world or you're arrested. So there were high, high highs and very low, low lows. Um, the, I, you know, 
a couple things that I really took from it was the character that it built in me. It taught me how to believe in myself, how to trust the process, because when you're bodybuilding, you know, you don't know how you're going to end up on stage. You don't know at the end of the 16 week prep, am I going to be ready in time? So it taught me the power of belief, the power of like, um, trusting, working and what a 10 year journey can get you. If you stick with something, even though there's highs and lows, even though you're prepping and then falling off again, even though, but 10 years of consistent vision will get you maybe to the top of the game. And so for me, it built this sort of resilience and belief. It was a beautiful example of anything I call it boot camp for what I'm doing now for spiritual work where there is nowhere to hide. If you're off the game, you you are being seen by God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, there's nowhere to hide. But with bodybuilding, when you fall off, you're only hiding from the stage. So the stage doesn't see you when you're not top, top. Um, and another highlight for me is the people, the tribe. I still am so connected to people that have signed my hoodie at Meet the Olympians. Like I would say, it was more fun for me. Well, I, I loved, I loved being on stage posing. So that's, I don't know about that, but meeting everybody at the expo, like to see a line of people waiting to see me, me, like just normal me. And then they want to come up and I have, I still have all the hoodies that everybody has signed. And some of the people who met me at the expos or who followed me through bodybuilding signed up for my course conscious champion. So there's this, this deep connection and, and gratefulness I have for the people that have followed bodybuilding and who have loved the industry and who have followed me. And even they're like, they see me going from a very physical world, which was bodybuilding to a very spiritual world. And maybe they followed suit or they found the power, the, um, the permission to leave bodybuilding because you let go of a huge identity. And when they see me, they see me do it. They feel like they can do it too. So it's um, the character that it's built in me and the people that it's given me are two highlights. And uh, your nickname when you were competing and, and kind of in that world was Lil Monstar. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how, how did how did you get that nickname? <laughs> because I think that used to be your Instagram handle way back in the day when I started following you. Yeah, it was. And so funny, people didn't even know me by Danny. They just knew me by Little Monster. What's up? So that's that's kind of cool. Um, but then when you when you're not Little Monster anymore, who are you? You know, then there was that whole thing. Um, and that came about. I was sponsored. One of my very first clothing sponsors was Monsta Clothing Line. Um, and that was like when I just kind of went pro and was like starting to do well and gaining a little bit of traction. They were like, I think my coaches at the time, Kelly and Eric, uh, Kelly, I'm still very close with, we were on team freak physique and they were, I would wear my monster stuff all the time. And I was, you know, five feet tall, freaking 120 pounds. Um, but I was really, I looked really jacked. So they were like, you're the little monster, the little monster. So they kept calling me that, but I was like, I always say monster weird, like if it doesn't have an R, but I'm from Boston, you know, I'm from the Cape. So everyone deletes their R's anyway, but I, I was always awkward with it. Um, but then I did star a little monster because of the universe and because I love spirituality. So little monster is what just kind of stuck. Mm, cool. Yeah. Uh, 
That's 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 great. I, I remember uh, back in Boulder when our we had our first conversation four years ago. We really got deep into, like I said, all the bodybuilding talk and stuff. But I kind of want to pick up where we left off, Danny, because from afar, like you know, it's not like I'm on your Instagram every day and 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 following you in that sense. But just you know, when you follow somebody on social media, especially somebody that you've connected with at least one time for me through the podcasting world. Um, you kind of you kind of keep your eyes, you know, on people and check things out here and there, see things pop up when you're scrolling. Um, and so would you kind of first of all, what was the catalyst for you to get out of bodybuilding? Because you mentioned getting arrested. Um, how did you find yourself from Florida and Boulder where we connected? And then would you kind of unpack um the last four years, the best that you kind of can re recollect and, and and remember, how has life unfolded for you over the last four years? Because obviously we had the uh, the 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 worldwide pandemic that shifted a lot in in the world and in our lives. Uh, but can you kind of just unpack all that, please? Yes. Yeah, so what what was the catalyst for me leaving bodybuilding? To be totally honest with you, I think it was uh, a mushroom ceremony that I did. Now, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was it. Because it started to happen. So my husband and I were starting to go vegetarian or vegan because we were really seeing the energetic, um, I guess, uh, I don't know how to say it, but we were noticing that we were eating meat killing things, uh, eating negative energy, you know, it was just the energy exchange was really bad. And we just, and, you know, not for everybody, that's fine. But I was like, wow, everything I've been eating for 10 years in like surplus, embarrassing amounts, meat all day, meat for snacks, meat, 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 um, started to look very different to me. Mm -hmm. And then, so, so that started to like shift. We were like, uh, I don't know about this anymore. So then even getting ready for the Olympia, it, for me, it was just turkey and egg whites because chicken looked too much like muscle and steak looks like muscle because now I know what muscle filaments look like, right? Cause I went to school for it. So I'm like, I see, I don't know about that. So that kind of started to really shake my foundation is like, can I still do it, do what I'm doing, eating what I'm eating. And then I started to prep, um, vegan actually. And it was working like everything was fine, but my fire for bodybuilding started to go out because a couple months prior to that, I did my first real magic mushroom trip. And I remember holding an Oreo for like two hours. And I, I went into like this little six-year-old self of me and I was holding an Oreo because I, I held Oreos so special because I could barely ever eat them because I was always dieting and prepping. So I was just like my little friend for the night. And I went outside, sat by a tree. I did literally whatever I wanted to do that night. And there was a bunch of people around. And I remember going into the mirror after doing our shenanigans and looking at myself in the mirror. And when I looked at my eye, it was like the that illusion, the, the mirrors that go on and on forever. Like the, it's almost like in a fun house. And when I looked into my own eye, it was like, it went on forever. Just like soul. It was like soul after soul, after soul, after soul. And I was asking myself, what do you want? What do you want? Not what do your sponsors want you to post? Not what protein do they want you to drink? What does your coach want you to do? What does your husband want you to do? But what do you want? 
Do you even want to bodybuild? Do you even want to eat meat anymore? Do you even want to wear, at the time I was sponsored by Redcon, do you even want to freaking post on social, on Instagram anymore? And I was really like, for the first time, what do you want? And I don't know if I really got an answer in that moment, but I was just posing the question later in the evening, probably like an hour later, I was meditating and I had this vision come up and it was me and Ian in front of Mount Fiji. Ian's my husband. And, um, it was like, I, and I knew it was Fiji for some reason, because there was a big white cap and it was a big, pretty like green mountain with a big white top on it. And then my next thought was I have to get up in the morning and do cardio can't go to Fiji. I got to go get on the stair stepper. Damn it. <laughs> and I was like, not that I felt like I was wasting my youth on a stair stepper. Um, but at the time I think I had gotten sixth at the Olympia. So it was, I couldn't go back. I had to requalify and I didn't want to eat meat anymore. So all of these things started to crumble and I started to feel like I was spending a lot of my life in a gym couple like hours a day, two sessions a day. And if I wasn't training, I was cooking. And I don't, I don't want to say the word waste because I don't think anything I did with bodybuilding was a waste, but I do think it started to run its course. And it was like, okay. And I was like, there's a whole world out here for me to experience food, to experience what it's like to not have to train and do cardio every single day, to not have to post online, to not have to track my water. You know, there's like so many things that go into being an elite athlete that um, I just wanted to explore a new side of myself, even spiritually. I'm like, I'm so sick of looking at my body and thinking, am I big enough? Am I hard enough? Am I lean enough? Am I, am I enough? And, uh, that was sort of the beginning of the fire being burnt out. And like two days later, I quit Redcon. I quit my sponsors. That felt incredible. I'm like, I don't have to post about protein powder anymore. Oh my goodness. And they, at the time, they didn't have anything plant-based. So really what I felt good about posting about was fat burners because I wasn't eating the protein. I wasn't eating the meal replacement, anything, because it was all whey. So that was the first thing that went. And then that felt really freeing. And then a couple months later... I was dieting for the Arnold. Like I said, I was doing a vegan and I was actually going to pose in a green suit because, because of the plants. And I had Tammy Marie make my green suit with dragon. Like it was just beautiful. And I always did red um, suits. And so this was going to be my first green one. And then I think, um, I don't remember exactly what the turning point was then, but it was sort of a slow dissolving but I remember sending the suit back and it was almost surreal going into the post office. It was like a dream. Everything was very floaty, very quiet. And the name of the suit was Gaia for mother earth. Gaia is the name for the earth. And I remember sending it back, knowing that this might be the last suit I ever touch for myself. And I remember putting it in the box and putting it in the little chute and going back to my car and crying and knowing that that was probably it for, if I wasn't going to do the Arnold, that was it. Yeah. And it was so very dramatic, but my whole, my whole, uh, 
um, run with bodybuilding was kind of dramatic. So it made sense. Yeah. So that was the end. Hmm. How did you uh, and your husband uh, end up in uh, Boulder, Colorado then from that point? Yeah. So um, from that point, we I think at the time we were selling health insurance. So <laughs> at the time he quit his job and I quit bodybuilding and we went to go sell health insurance because some of our friends that we had competed with were selling health insurance and making a ton of money. And we were like, well, we just had a really expensive wedding. I won nothing from the Olympia the year before I won 18,000, which is great. But that's second place. That's like not that much for how much you put into it but I was gunning for first, you know, I got second. I thought for sure, like, this is my year. I'm going to get first. And I literally got no money. And part of the reason we, two months after the Olympia, we had a big expensive wedding. Like that was 30, $40,000 with a hundred over a hundred guests. And it was so overdone. If I could go back, we would run away and wear jean shorts and white hoodies. And not do any of that because, but I, my, my mindset at the time was Olympia. It was, everything was so big, larger than life. So why wouldn't my wedding be? And I had so many friends that I wanted to invite too. So we sold, we, we went to go sell health insurance because we thought we were going to make a bunch of money and we were telemarketing and we were the people calling you, bothering you that people probably hang up on and cuss at. And that was us. That was me second place in the world telemarketing. But I was also around my friends. So it was kind of very social, but we really didn't make the money that we thought we were going to make. We had to sell a bunch of our stuff. We sold our townhouse. Ian sold his bike. We sold everything. Um, and by the end of the first year doing health insurance, we were in a very dark place and hating our lives and almost hating each other. So I needed to get out of Florida. Ian wanted to stay in Florida. I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to get away from these people who were bodybuilding. I didn't want anything to do with bodybuilding anymore. I wanted nothing to do with health insurance. I needed to go to a totally different state. My sister was living in Colorado. And so, and Ian and I were fighting all the time, had no money, very on the rocks, didn't, didn't see eye to eye on almost everything. And so we moved to Colorado and I was like, I just want to be around nature and my sister because if you and I don't work, I'm not staying in Florida. Like I'm starting a new life and my sister will be close to me. She's like my person. So I knew that she would be healing for me in case we didn't work. And about a year into Colorado, still fighting, still trying to find our way. Finally, things started to dissolve. Like the ego, I started to become grateful for the things I hated him for. And I stopped trying to get him to come to the spiritual side. And he stopped trying to get me to come to the financial side. And we sort of started to meet in the middle. And I became my own person in that time. I made my own friends. I went to yoga teacher training. I really created a new identity that was much less codependent that knew I didn't need him in my life, but I wanted him in my life. So it, I be, I became my own person in that time where I thought that maybe we weren't going to work. It was so nice because I met him when I was 20, you know, I was such a, such a young, I was such a kid and now, you know, now I'm almost 33. So we've made it. And, um, through me finding myself, like I said, I found yoga and I found spirituality and that was what kept me going and what helped me know I was going to be okay. Um, yeah. So I, I don't even know if I answered your question or where I went with that, but that that's now we're, us in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's perfect. I, I wanted to know how you guys kind of got to, to Colorado. Um, 
Okay, so let's let's pick up. Let's 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 unpack a little bit here. Um, I know it's hard to unpack in a short amount of time, four years of life, but um, so I, I'll, let me, let's start here. How did you navigate? Cause we had our, our, we first met in 2019, I think it was the spring. Uh, so then within a year of that time, COVID hit and we were in a worldwide pandemic. I don't want to get into COVID, but I do want to get into how did you navigate uh, 2020 and what did life look like for you at that point? And were you at a point in your life and in the, the, the self-discovery where you did have a solid foundation or did you really have to um, go through some personal growth during 2020 to kind of get where you're at today, Danny? Mm. Great question. So, Okay. In 2019, I had had this feeling I wanted to start life coaching. I think Shannon, she was like my first kind of life coach and somebody who was like, and people have told me that for a while, like, hey, you should life coach. Like you have such a positive constitution and I feel like you could really help people. So 2019, I was working with Shannon and then I hired an actual like business coach that would help me build a course. Mm -hmm. And I was in that program for probably, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I joined that at the end of 2019 in like December. Mm -hmm. And from there, I built Conscious Champion, which was this course that was for bodybuilders to teach them meditation and spirituality and how to compete with more than just your body, how I did it and how I loved it. You know, people are complaining all the time about diet and cardio, but they would watch me fly through it and like love it. So and do really well, like, you know, uh, as far as status goes in the industry. So that kicked off February 2020. Everything shut down March, 2020. I had no idea COVID was coming, yeah. but this is like the universe, right? Trusting and surrendering into whatever you're feeling because so, um, and it was a fully online course. Mm -hmm. So when the world shut down, people didn't know what to do. Us coming and meeting weekly was almost like a sanctuary. It was like, okay, we're still here. We're, we're still human. We're still have a tribe. Like it gave everybody something to look forward to. Um, so I didn't even know what I was building when I was building it, but it was perfect timing. And so through 2020, uh, I launched conscious champion. It went amazing. And then I was launching another one and it was summer 2020 when we ended up moving to Cape Cod. Cause that was when I told you, my parents were like, Hey, come here, like save money. We have an extra cottage. Um, and at the time I was going through another conscious champion, which made it really hard because, I hyper-focus. So I'm either all in business or I'm all in moving or I'm all in yoga. Like it's, it was very difficult for me to move States, to leave Colorado someplace that I found my soul again. Mm -hmm. I did not want to move some, I, now I see why we had to move for other way, other reasons, but I miss, like you said, I miss Colorado every single day. Um, and my sister ended up moving back to Colorado. So after we were on the Cape together, she moved back. And part of me was like, damn it. But now I have some place to go visit. And I'm like, anytime you need somebody to watch your dogs, you call me. So, um, so we move up to Cape Cod and shortly after I, I stopped conscious champion and I had dreadlocks at the time. Yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, moving from Colorado to Cape Cod to live with my parents again, and I wasn't making a ton of money with my online courses it felt like I was failing in life. 
I was almost embarrassed to tell my parents what I was doing. Like I didn't see the value in it or something. And I felt sort of, um, I don't know, just not, not great about myself. So I started to do real estate. They own a real estate brokerage because I thought that was my way to make money and look successful to my parents was to sell real estate for them. And I like people, but I don't like talking about septic tanks or home inspections. Like I really don't care. That is not what I'm here to talk about or put my energy into. I would rather clean the office and listen to Ram Das than work there any day. And real estate is a great thing, but it's really just not for me. But I had to try. I had to know because I'm a good entrepreneur. Like I know how to work hard. I know how to hustle. I know how to work with people. So I thought real estate was going to be good for me. Um, and after a year, it wasn't. And during that year, I shaved my head. I shaved all my dreadlocks off, buzz cut, everything, you know. So I went through this whole thing about femininity, my confidence. I felt really weird about myself for a little while. Like I didn't really feel pretty. I was kind of smoking marijuana really often and really, again, in a dark spot. I mean, I feel like my life is like, I go into my hermit crab shell and I'm so dark, like in the basement of my energy. And then I'm like shining so bright that I can't even help it. Um, so that was a dark, dark time for me. Uh, and then my sister got married, moved to Colorado. We quit real estate and I launched another conscious champion. I was back in and did a, um, a coaching course with Aubrey Marcus called fit for service. And it was amazing. It was the first time I had really invested in myself, not just my business, not just how to make money, but me, because I had just caused a big family upset, quitting real estate. I had really just, really just dug myself in deep, but I knew it was what was right for me. And I was like, I am not here to talk about septic tanks and home inspections. I'm here to talk about energy and the universe and mantras and prayer. And like, I, I just knew that. And it took me going into something I really didn't want to do for me to like scream universe from the rooftops. Like, this is what I'm here to do. So I'm really grateful for that time in my life. And I'm so sorry for like for hurting like my stepmom and my dad who really put a lot of energy into getting me business casual clothes. And I'm like, I don't even know how to dress like business casual. Um, <laughs> but they helped me with that. And uh, so I felt so bad and I still feel kind of guilty for hurting them in some way. But that led me back into coaching, which led me into doing more spiritual work and personal development. And I went to Sedona, Arizona for the first time for one of the fit for service summits. And that for me was probably one of the most life-changing trips I've ever taken more life-changing than the coaching program I was in with fit for service. But I did uh, plant medicine. When I got there, I did Wachuma, which is a sort of a mescaline uh, derivative. And it's like a 12 hour plant medicine. And I was hiking in the mountains of Sedona and it was absolutely just beautiful. And uh, I camped in a hammock for the first time ever. And I've, ne I've never really camped in my life. I mean, I did once in high school with my friend's parents, but I went and I brought a hammock and I was like, I'm just going to figure it out. And the tribe there helped me hang up my hammock and I slept outside for four nights. And it was the most rewilding, freeing, amazing, exciting, humbling thing I've ever done. And 
Then I went back the following year and camped again. I didn't do fit for service, but I camped with the same crew. And instead of doing Wachuma, I did ayahuasca. And this was past, this was the past October. So a couple months ago. And that is when I, you know, it's so funny the way the universe works and the way that our law of attraction works. But I went to Sedona with all these different flutes pulled up in my phone, like on all the different tabs, I was learning about different keys, what they sounded like, the different flute makers who I wanted to order from. So I had all these different tabs pulled up and I knew I was like, I want a high spirits flute. I want the key of D and I just knew. So we get to Sedona, I'm there for 10 minutes and I go to our temple that we had set up and I'm there and this guy's playing a flute, a high spirits flute. I don't know what key it was in, and I'm in this temple, you know, so they create this place where we can meditate and do certain things. And, um, and I start crying. I'm in Sedona 10 minutes and I'm already in tears because of the synchronicity of the flutes I wanted and the flutes he was playing. And then he let me play. And I actually got to make a flute sound, you know, I was like, oh my God. And so the tears are streaming and I'm like, oh my God, this is just magic. I was just in awe of synchronicity. And so, you know, then we camp, it was beautiful. Uh, and then I go do ayahuasca and I have this just carrying on with the flute thing. And I'm almost wrapped. We're almost to present day. So just bear with me. Oh, you're good. You're good. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm on this flute kick. I go and my teacher has like 20 flutes and he's a music teacher and sort of a medicine mentor for me. And when we're there, I'm playing with all his flutes. I'm like, I'm just going to be over here for a little while. Cause we stayed for the whole weekend with him and it was a whole, you know, thing. Um, and I had this beautiful vision during ayahuasca and I was asking her, what am I here to do? Like, I am so sick of not knowing since I quit bodybuilding, I have been really just a big question mark in life. Like I know I'm supposed to study spirit, but what is center stage for me? I'm so good when I have a goal and when I have something that I know I'm reaching for. And ever since I quit, I'm like, where's center stage? I don't, I don't know what to do. So I went asking ayahuasca, what is it that I'm here to do? And in the first, the medicine starts to kick in and I'm meditating. And he said, the, the more that you can relax, the more it starts to work versus like, what am I seeing visuals yet? Like what's happening? Is it working like that? Cre that creates a, a disconnection there. So I'm telling myself, okay, don't, don't like, don't even feel, you know, don't even, don't look at anything. Don't breathe. Don't. And I was like, don't even listen. Cause the music was amazing that he was playing. So I'm like, don't even shut off your ears. Like just be, just be. And then all of a sudden the vision came and I was sitting there meditating and I turned into a flute, like the holes in my face, in my eyes, in my mouth, and my ears sort of got into alignment. And I was a flute and there was wind coming through the holes of myself as a flute. And it was like, the universe was playing me like a flute. And the message was, it doesn't matter what you do, get empty get empty and let the universe play you like it's instrument. And, uh, you know, I've been studying the Bhagavad Gita and Krishna plays a flute. So I've been on this, the flutes have been just swirling around in my awareness. And so in that moment, it was like, become the flute. doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you go. 
get empty and listen for what to do next. And uh, so that was a huge lesson for me there. And even during ayahuasca, the big lessons for me was love and grief are the same feeling deep enough. You can love so hard that it's painful. And that's what I was feeling like the deepest amount of love and the deepest amount of gratitude were also pain and grief. Uh, and it was all about my grandmother. Like I'm so close to my grandma. I, she lives here on Cape Cod, you know? So I'm like, why am I here? God, like, why did you put me on Cape Cod, Massachusetts? And, you know, my grandfather, we lost my grandfather in July, almost a year ago. And I have been here for my grandmother in different ways. And when I did ayahuasca, I didn't know, I didn't know the gravity of how much I would be helping her. And after I left that ceremony, I left with a flute. My teacher gave me a flute because I told him about my vision. I told him how freaked out I was and how much I wanted flutes. So I left and he actually gave me one of his flutes. And that began my journey to be a sound practitioner. Mm -hmm. So now I have multiple flutes. I play drums. I play a harmonium now and I do sound meditations or sound. I don't like the word healing, but I do sound meditations at a nursing home. And the reason I got connected to the nursing home was because my grandmother fell and broke her hip. And I was there in the hospital with her every day. And then she went to rehab and I got to be there with her almost every day. And when I was there in the nursing home, I asked, would you guys be open to me coming and playing instruments as one of your activities? And she's like, we would love that. So that's my monthly gig. Now my grandma's back home. She's recovering. She's okay. But now I still get to go back to the nursing home and play instruments for them. And so now present day, I've been teaching yoga this whole time. So all the time that the, even through COVID, I was teaching yoga online. I just haven't stopped. And now I bring my instruments into teaching yoga. And so I do that a couple of days a week. And now sound is all I think about. Um, I want to get a looper pedal and create a sound ceremony experience where I can be multiple instruments, basically multiple people in one whole session. And I, like I said before, I was always a jock in high school. I never thought that I was going to be musical. I didn't think I had it in me. And I've started singing. I've started unlocking my voice. Things I never thought I could do, I'm doing. And so I'm so excited to see where this takes me. And I'm actually going to Peru with the same medicine mentor and music teacher in August. So in about a month, um, I'm headed to Peru for 10 days, which is some where I've always wanted to go. And, um, I was like, do you think I'm going to be able to get a flute when I'm there? Like, and he sends me pictures. He's been there of shops that are all flutes head to, I mean, top to bottom, thousands of flutes. And I'm like, now I'm nervous that I'm not going to be able to pick just one. (laughs) So that's, that's present day where I'm at. I'm, I'm surrendering into the process. Things are very new, but layers are coming off and I'm, learning to just trust and surrender more and more because the more I do that, the better it gets. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Now with, okay. So, you know, you've done like the life coaching, you know, uh, on your bio, on your Instagram, Danny has like energy coach mentor, you know, you're getting into the music. Like you've done a lot of, you've done, you know, the bodybuilding stuff and, and you can help people in that realm too. Like what's so, as you are learning uh, and you're growing as a human, 
like, what's the vision or what's the direction that you've been given in terms of like, what's your purpose outside of your own personal growth for Danny Reardon here on this earth? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think I skipped over that with the ayahuasca thing, actually. So I was asking her, what is, what is this thing? And what I left with, with, was this like clarity that it was like, you are here to study and teach yoga, meditation, sound, and plant medicine. That is what you're here to do and how you're here to help and heal. And, you know, on sides of that, there's, there's coaching maybe, or like mentorship. Um, and, but you know, nowhere in there did it say, online courses. And so it's so funny because everything that's not yoga, sound, plant medicine, and meditation has not been working. Mm -hmm. So as much as I try to make spirit school work, it just didn't. Um, and so I think that's my course of study are those things. That's what lights me up the most right now. And with sound, I can take that, you know, sound is we are sound we are vibration. And so I can really help people with these methodologies. Yeah. I mean, people really enjoy my yoga classes. It's very shamanic. There's, it's not just, I don't play like pop music. It's, it's not just a workout. I, it's a ceremony for me. Um, and so I guess that's, and I don't even, I have little visions for, for these things that I would like to do, but I don't have this Olympia vision yet. Um, and yeah, and that's what I'm like hoping that this trip to Peru will get me closer to. And maybe there isn't one, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's this, this flow that you just do what you do in the time that you're doing it because it's here now and that's your Dharma. And you do that until you don't do it anymore. And maybe that's it. Thank you for helping me articulate that because I don't think I've actually said it in that way ever before. But maybe that's the answer is you do what you do the best you can do it until you don't do it anymore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of, if you go back to the bodybuilding analogy, it's like, you know, um, when you turn, when you turn pro as an IFBB pro, I mean, it's usually a process to get to the Olympia. Now with all the divisions now, men's physique and bikini, and, and they're giving out a lot more pro cards now. So it's it's different. But when you started bodybuilding, you turn pro and very few uh, rookie IFBB pros, so to speak, you know, make it to the Olympia that first year. It's, it's a process. It's more sets, more reps, more of what you've been doing for the last five to seven years. And as you focus on the details of each day, you eventually possibly might get on that Olympia stage, right? So maybe that's kind of like a correlation from your past, uh, where you've been and uh, where life is taking you is just continue to focus on the here and the now today, being the best version of yourself and serving others, loving others. And um, that big vision or that uh, center stage vision or that Olympia vision will come eventually. But like you said, maybe it won't because for us, like you and myself, Danny, who are visionaries, who like the discipline and like the goals and like the, the big and the wow, that's kind of easy for us, I think. It's hard for us to just stay focused on the day-to-day -day and that day-to-day -day grind or that day-to-day -day learning um, because that's not always the, the sexy or the fun or the exciting. That's not what social media is all about, right? 
Um, but that is, you know, doing that work every day leads to growth and leads to impacting others. So maybe there's a correlation there from your past. What do you think? I love that. Yes, I definitely think it's it's almost easy for us to have a goal. So it's like the harder work is to trust and surrender and not know. It's like our ego wants to know, our ego wants the decision, you know, but our soul is, you know, energy is always in flux. It's always in flow. And it's even like trusting the feminine aspects of ourselves too, which is flow. And the masculine wants to be decisive. It wants controlling. It wants vision. The feminine says, I'm a free spirit, baby. Let me fly. So, but me leaning into my feminine is hard. Like it's because we were saying, I like control. I like discipline. So for me to say, I don't know where I'm going is really difficult. It's getting easier though. The more that I learn about the, the feminine, the more it's easier. And, you know, everybody has a feminine and a masculine. I'm talking, it's energy, not, not gender. Um, but I think that's a really awesome correlation. Yeah. A goal would be the easy way. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, I saw the Olympia sound practitioner that I'm going to become, which is the one with the looper pedal and the, you know, creating this whole thing with just me and a bunch of different instruments. So I saw that but do I know what I'm going to do or who I'm going to help or where I'm going to go with that? Mm-hmm. No, no idea. Yeah. Even with yoga, I see myself teaching on stage. Cause I see when I do something, I see massive, I see masses. So I see myself on a stage teaching with a microphone and amazing music, maybe even a DJ to thousands of yogis, yeah. but that's so only part of what I do. And, and maybe that, maybe that will never come to fruition and you have to trust that because again, it goes back to us being, or people like us that are type A and driven and disciplined and visionaries. Like we want to be there now, but we have to go through this to get there and that might not ever happen. So we have to trust the process. We have to enjoy the process. We again have to be here now because that's something that I am uh, it's, 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 it's a struggle every day, right? Cause it's like, you want to be, uh, you want tomorrow to happen today, but in order to get to tomorrow, you have to learn through today. You have to walk through today. You have to make it through today in order to get to tomorrow. Um, and that's something I want to do better with Danny and me being candid with you. in this conversation is, you know, not, not being in a hurry, not being in a rush, I mean, I've got seven, eight-year-old youth personal training clients here at the gym telling me, and they're getting it obviously from their parents and the adults in their lives, but I, I, I try to you know, converse with them. I really try to listen intentionally to them and, and build that rapport and relationship with them because that's important. It's more than just lifting weights or teaching them how to lift weights. It's that relationship, right? But the point that I'm trying to get at is that I have these young kids telling me how busy they are. And first of all, it's summertime. And I understand sometimes summertime can be quote unquote busy just because of the camps and different things going on. But it's like, okay, you're not at school for eight hours a day. Uh, you're, you're seven years old. And I don't say this to them because they are just repeating what they're hearing and seeing from the adults in their lives. Right. But I want to say, you're not busy. Let's take a time out. Let's be here now. Let's enjoy this moment. And that's something that I have to have a conversation with myself about is like, okay, Quentin, what's going on today? 
Take care of today. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a hurry. Don't allow life to pass you by. Like just again, like enjoy this moment. Enjoy this day. Like for me, it's like my faith is very important. So it's like, God, what, what do you have for me today? Um, so maybe the future won't come. So let's embrace, let's lean into, let's enjoy the present. Let's, let's, let's take care of today. Right. Mm, I love that. Yes, definitely. That I have so much to comment on. Um, like the kids saying that they're so busy, they just hear what their parents are saying. And it's like, it's creating a busy nervous system. They don't even know it yet, but it's creating this. And then if they're not busy, they feel like they're failing. So, but that's like our society as a whole. And they're starting to use these things. And I noticed that I say, I'm, oh, I'm so busy, which I am, but I, I'm like beginning to hate that word and hate saying it all the time because I'm creating more busyness for myself, even though I love to go, go, go. Um, and yeah, I love what you said. Cause like for me right now, I'm like, I'm cleaning, I'm waitressing, I'm teaching yoga, I'm doing online stuff. We have people coming into town. I'm doing plant medicine things. I'm doing sound ceremony. So like my days are so full mm -hmm. that if I look at my whole week, I become like paralyzed with so many things to do. So yes, taking it one moment at the time and yoga has been really helpful for me in that because when I'm there, if I'm not present, like I can't perform as a teacher. My words don't come out right. My music doesn't go right. I'm, and the students are relying on me for a good class. So even though it's not like the most, um, it's not like my biggest payment monetarily of the day, it's such a big teacher for me and leave everything out the door. Mm -hmm. We'll pick it up on the way out. But right now we're here to practice and we're here to be with each other. So I think that's so valuable what you just said. Okay. I, I want to, let's again, like, uh, like I've kind of mentioned before I started the podcast, uh, I just like to allow these conversations to go wherever they're supposed to after kind of the initial conversational starter questions. And this is, I want to, I want to, I want to end with this. So, um, something that's been brought up in this conversation today, as you're kind of sharing your story, Danny is, is. The, the, the monetary side of things, money, right? You've mentioned that several times, getting into the real estate, you just said, like, even though I'm doing the yoga thing, like that's not, um, you know, it's not where I'm making, you know, a bunch of money or whatever. So let's let's end with this conversation. I want, I want you to talk about, um, or what your thoughts are in terms of like, uh, you know, our society is, is driven by money, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on like money, and, and pursuing and chasing after monetary gain, not whether it's good or bad, but for you personally, like, what does that look like? What, what does that mean to you, Danny? Mm. <laughs> so funny. I've, I've struggled with the money thing in every aspect. Um, like even since I was little, it's always been, oh, money burns a hole in Danny's pocket or like it's hard for me to make it or manage it because it's like I don't hold a lot of value in it. Yeah. It's just a thing. Um, and I don't feel like we need it, although we do. Um, so I'm I'm kind of come now I'm starting to be a little bit more mature with it. Like I'm starting to take responsibility for money because the thing is like we need it to eat, we need it to drive our cars, we need it in this society. Do I think it needs to be our driving force and deciding what we do? No, because I've tried that. I've tried to sell health insurance and do real estate and do these different things just to make the money. And it's crashed and burned every single time. 
Um, so I think there's a middle ground. And now I also get messed up with money because when I'm coaching, so this is like the hardest thing about coaching for me is all of my clients become my friends. And then it becomes very hard for me to charge them. And it becomes very heavy for me to say, Hey, I need $300 this month. But when we speak, we're speaking very friendly and it, and, and maybe that's me needing to stand a little bit more sturdy in a coaching position, but that's just not, I'm, I'm more of a mentor than I am a coach, you know? Um, yeah. So money's tough. I'm really trying to untangle it and make it, not, it's not an evil thing. Rich people are not evil. Like, it, it, and these are things that I've kind of untangled over the years. And what I've seen is when I have money, I'm a, I can be more of me. There's not this heavy rain cloud of like, how am I going to drive my car today? And like, luckily I've had an amazing husband for the last 12 years that has had a very good job. And like, we don't go without, but like for me personally, my own independence, not having to ask him, can I get a cup of coffee? And I have this ginormous student loan, like $55,000 hanging over my head that I have almost never acted like it was real. I'm like, nope, that's just going to go away one day. Like, that's just not, I didn't understand money when I was taking it out. So I still don't understand it now. And I'm not doing anything as an exercise physiologist. So like, I don't really want to pay for it. Um, You know, so it's like not real to me. I just hate that I didn't understand what a loan was when I was 19. And I didn't understand that. Do you want to do, because I was bodybuilding, everything exercise was so exciting to me. But did I want to be that when I got out? No, not really. I don't even personal train. So it's like, I'm not even really, but I'm really smart. Like I know a lot about the body, but um, so like money for me has been a huge topic and it's something that I don't care that much about, you know? So it's been a tough, tough thing for me, but now I'm working at the restaurant and I'm making good money, you know, enough to pay for my loan and pay for Peru if I keep working and I'm cleaning. And these things I'm doing just for money, yes, but it's also giving me other things. It's giving me a social life. It's giving me quiet time when I clean and I get to finally be with my teachers versus talking all the time. So these things that I'm doing now to make money are giving me other things and they're allowing me independence. But the coaching thing, and I don't know if it's a self-worth topic that I need to explore in charging people, but it feels very heavy, feels feels more heavy to me than me going to waitress to make a couple hundred bucks versus signing up a client for a couple hundred bucks and posting on Instagram. Hey, I'm doing this coaching program, sign up for blah, blah, blah. I have yet to untangle that totally. So money's tough. And now I know we need it. And I'm finally taking responsibility for my loan and I'm making good payments on it now. And, um, yeah. And I don't know if it's a level of maturity for me or something that I'm just now realizing is a thing. And it doesn't make me any less spiritual if I need to make money. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you have anything to say about money, but I am all ears. Cause it's a weird one for me. Uh, no, I would be the last person on planet earth that you would want to ask, uh, about, uh, money because I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I, I tell myself all the time, I don't care about it. Um, yes, I understand that we do need it to live in this quote unquote world we're living in, but, um, I don't care about money. I will never care about money and I will never allow money to, uh, be a driving force in who I am, 
who I want to become and, and how I uh, show up in this world. Uh, because again, I think money, like a lot of other things, is something that it's a weight that society puts on us. Um, it's conditioned into our hearts and our minds and our beings that we have to make money. We have to get a job to make money. And it, and it just kind of snowballs into this uh, chaos that we see in, in this world in terms of people not living the lives uh, that they're meant to live. Um, so I don't want to go any further because I, I, I this is about you and not me. But you did kind of ask, you know, a little bit about my thoughts. But I, I just don't care about money. Um, and I'm never going to care about money in the sense of um, it, it's never going to have any power or control over my life. Uh, you know, yes, I'm going to work and be responsible in that manner. But if that's for $30,000 a year, if that's $100,000 a year, who cares? Like, I just want to live the life that I know God is calling me to live because when I die and take my last breath, that's, that's all that's going to matter, uh, you know, at that point. So that's my thoughts. I don't care about money. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's really awesome. I, yeah. And there's, and I like that, the, that you have like a balance with it too. It's like, we know we need it. We need to be responsible adults, but it's not the driving factor. And I think, you know, we spoke about ego a little bit. I think when people chase the money because they want to have more than this person, or they think they're not enough without it. I think that's a very ego driven thing. Um, when the ego is driving the seat is when people are really, they, they almost sell their soul so they can make X amount of money and then realize even when they have the money, they're still not happy because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and now my husband, I, he's very financially aware and smart. And I, it used to really bother me because I didn't understand why it was his only thought, mm -hmm. but now I, I feel really grateful for it because when we retire, we're going to be comfortable, you know, in the next 30 years or so, because he's so financially aware and be, but, and now he's like loosened his grip a little bit because we're a little bit more comfortable, but, um, he's taught me a lot about like excessive spending and, and just like not needing, you know, even like getting coffees every day and, and different things like that. So he's actually made me more financially aware and more financially responsible and something I used to really be like, I can't hear another word about money, but I think it's because I was irresponsible with it and I didn't understand it and I didn't like it because it always, always made me feel like I was in trouble. And so for me, like, I don't know if this goal, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but sometimes I feel like if I could make a million dollars, that would mean I have overcome every story I've ever been told as a kid. Danny can't manage money. It burns a hole in her pocket. She had big thing is she has no concept of money. And maybe I don't. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't, or maybe so if I could make a lot of money doing something I really love, that would mean I broke the limitations of society. That would mean I broke the limitations that have been put on me my whole life that I have no concept and that I was financially responsible. And I gave back to the universe so much that I was given a financial reward or the energy exchange was balanced. So I have this thing that I would love to make a big amount one day because that means that I've given a big amount. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am. I don't know what I'm going to do with that or whatever is going to happen with that. But I, yeah, money's a, it's still unraveling for yeah. me. Yeah. Awesome, Danny. We, I could continue to have these, uh, this conversation with you, but we've been going for almost two hours. I'm sure there's, uh, 
more on your schedule for today. So we'll we'll stop right there. Um, before I do a quick outro and I get I get you out of here, uh, Danny. Um, if somebody's resonating with your story, if somebody uh, you know wants to connect with you, uh, where can people connect with you? Where can people find you? Where can people find out more about maybe some of the classes in the future that you're going to be um, hosting and and teaching? Um, and then if you have any final thoughts or any final words that you'd like to leave us, um, I'm going to turn it over to you. And then I'll do a quick outro and we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap up our conversation. So platform is yours. Okay, cool. Thank you. So um, I guess to find me, Instagram is where I'm most active as far as social media goes. And that's at danny.reardon. And that's R-E-A-R-D-O-N. And my website is finally live. It's dannyreardon.com. And if you want to email me, please email me. It's danny at dannyreardon.com. So that's so nice. Everything is like one name. It's like if you versus like little monster, light side, blah, blah, blah. And then the podcast is walking each other or talking each other home. And you can find that on um, Spotify and also my YouTube channel. I record the videos too. And that's uh, Danny Reardon on, on YouTube. Um, and that's where you can find out about courses too. Is basically Instagram is where I'm most active. And I guess the last thing, something that's really sticking with me that we talked about today is about Dharma and purpose and whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. do it the best you can possibly do it while you're doing it until you don't do it anymore. I have, I can't tell you how much that resonates and has answered for me and um, tied up for me because like everything I do, I really do to the best of my ability, whether I'm serving or cleaning and Conscious or conscious champion, you know, or something like that. So it just, um, that kind of quieted a big question that I've, I've had there for a while. So thank you for that. And I just pass that on to everybody else out there. Who's asking what their passion and what their purpose is and what are they supposed to be doing? It's like, it, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you do and do it to the best of your ability. And that's one of the big questions, one of the big lessons in the Bhagavad Gita as well. It's like, do your duty and don't worry about the fruits of your labor. That will be taken care of. If you are in the moment, if you're in flow state, no matter what you're doing, I can relate this to bodybuilding or cleaning or something without worrying about how the end is going to turn out. If you're sit sitting there and you're doing what you're doing in God, in, in that flow, then the end of that is going to be divine. You don't need to worry about it. You just need to worry about right now. So that's all of that just really came full circle for me and was just icing on the cake. Thank you. So, and thank you also Quentin for asking me to come on. This was like probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded with somebody. I mean, I shed some tears. We shed some laughs. I got, I got to tell you about all the different things and kind of work through some of my own processes. So I, I can't wait to tell my mom to listen to this and um, other people too. So thank you for pulling this energy and this information out of me. I think you um, are just definitely doing what you're called to be doing. Well, you're very welcome, Danny, and thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, at some point, maybe if you're visiting your sister, we'll have to connect again in Colorado and maybe do, uh, I don't know, another podcast, maybe just more topical or something, I don't know. But I would love to connect in person again at some point uh, in Colorado if, uh, if, if that's how life unfolds. So, Thank you. I would too. That would be awesome. Cool. All of you who are tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say thank you so very much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. Um, and I would love to connect with you if you would like to connect with me. A couple places that you can you can connect with me 
uh, Instagram, Curious and Canon Podcast, uh, email, Curious and Canon Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also, uh, if you think you'd be a great guest, or if you have a friend or an acquaintance you think would be a great guest or guest for the podcast, reach out to me through uh, email. Again, Curious and Canon Podcast at gmail.com. Introduce yourself, introduce your friend or acquaintance. Uh, and we'll go from there. Please subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can visit my website, awakentrainingandnutrition.com. Uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid, and we'll catch you all next time.